Good morning. It is good to be back. Uh, as many of you know, uh, I've been fairly busy for the last few weeks as I've taken some leave from work uh, because on November 5th, we became a family of five as Ryan Evan Hill uh, joined us. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. We can just leave that one up for the rest of the sermon. Um, <laughs> Uh, I have to admit, everything since the 5th has been a bit of a blur, uh, but uh, feeling so blessed in the midst of it all. Uh, And to answer one of the the more common questions that I get uh, right out of the gate, so that I don't have to do it 95 times, um, Pastor Joe, are you getting any sleep? No. Uh, It's kind of a sore subject, uh, so if we could just let that be that. Um, but in all, uh, in all honesty, uh, I share on behalf of Elizabeth and the kids a huge thank you to all of you, to our community of faith, our extended family of faith, for the love, support, the gifts, meals, the prayers that have come our way in the last month. We're so grateful to all of you for the love and support you've given us, Uh, And as the Hill family now through the birth of all three of our kids, we are especially grateful for this incredible community of faith that partners with us as parents as we raise young women and now man of faith. Thank you so much. Now to get into our message for today, I want to start uh, just, uh, recalling a phrase that you may have heard before. Uh, you know, it's a, a phrase that is often used when people talk about somebody coming to faith. They might say, you know, have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Or would you like to make Jesus the Lord of your life? And while I'm obviously all in favor of people p- placing their faith in Jesus Christ, I really don't like this phrase. I think it's uh, sort of theologically incorrect. And here's why. No human has any kind of power to make Jesus the Lord of anything. Jesus is the Lord. The more appropriate question then is really, do you recognize the reign of the true king? you recognize the reign of King Jesus. Today, we recognize Christ the King Sunday in the church calendar, the liturgical calendar. The day where we recognize the kingship of Jesus over all of creation. Uh, And just a little interesting note for those of you who may not know, um, but Christ the King Sunday is actually the last Sunday of the church year sort of the uh, New Year's Eve celebration, so to speak. The church calendar begins on the first week of Advent, anticipating the hope of life and salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. And today we have the exclamation point at the end of the story of a year-long journey beginning in Advent and ending today with a recognition that this one who was born in a manger 2,000 years ago on that first Christmas is in fact seated on the throne of heaven, Lord over all of creation, our Lord, 
Today's gospel text begins with Jesus making this bold claim about himself. Now, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus often refers to himself as the Son of Man. And he does so here again, saying that one day he will come surrounded by angels, sitting on the glorious throne of heaven. He will come as the King. And Jesus was saying this in his own lifetime, saying not only that he was the king of heaven, but that he was the judge of the nations, the one who sits on that glorious throne and who will one day separate the sheep from the goats. And I think it can be a little bit too easy for us to, uh, to breeze past those first powerful and bold statements of Jesus and go straight to the teaching about sheep and goats, judgment and the least of these and miss the incredible, bold and powerful claim that Jesus makes to being the king of all creation. You see, for us, unlike the people who were hearing Jesus teach in his day, We read them in the pages of scripture. We have this book that we recognize as being filled with God's word, revealing his one and only son. And so there's words that Christians can hear and not think twice about. Of course, Jesus is Lord. But back then, as Jesus claimed to be king, as he claimed to be the one who would sit on the glorious throne of heaven surrounded by angels, He did so as a man, flesh and blood, in their midst. A bold claim indeed. That's why I think uh, C.S. Lewis uh, has this idea uh, known as the the Lewis Trilemma. Uh, And it's helpful for us in reckoning with a text like the one today. Uh, C.S. Lewis, you know, famous author of the Chronicles of Narnia and more, uh, was also a uh, potent Christian thinker of the 21st century. And he said this, he said, for Jesus to make the claims that he did in his life, he was either a liar, a lunatic, or he really was the Lord. And for today's sake, I want us to look at this in light of the claims that Jesus makes about himself in the text In Matthew 25, verse 31, let's have that up on the screen. When the Son of Man, and that's Jesus talking about himself, the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all of the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. In the next verse, all of the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. The people who were listening to Jesus, his contemporaries, they knew that Jesus was talking about himself. So let's then look at the Lewis trilemma here. Jesus either knew these things weren't true and said them anyways, claimed to be king of heaven, but knew it wasn't true. 
If that's the case, then he's a liar. Or he thought these things were true, but they really weren't. In which case, he's a lunatic. Or he said he was king, and it's actually true. And if that's the case, then the whole world needs to take notice. Because we are not the ones running the show here. He is. Now, many in this life want to keep Jesus and his teachings at an arm's distance. They want to keep him at a a safe distance. Maybe we'll say something like, uh, Jesus was a good man, or Jesus was a wise teacher. But when we do this, what we're really saying is, no, actually, I am Lord and judge, and I get to decide that the things that I like are true and the things I don't like aren't. But the thing is, Jesus doesn't give us that option, and he never intended to. Because he never claimed to be any of those things. He claimed to be the king. And that's something you can't just dismiss. Because if it's true, and I believe with all of my heart that it is, then he is the Lord uh, of those who recognize his reign as king. But he's also the Lord of those who don't. And one day, all of us will stand before that glorious throne. I want to be real here for a second. I'm going to paint with a real broad brush, uh, but I don't think I'm wrong. (laughs) Uh, Americans do not like the word submit, right? Probably not a lot of fans of that word in this room. Uh, It bristles against us a little bit. Because so often the kinds of people who throw that word around are the kinds of people who are not worthy of devotion. They're harsh, greedy, selfish. They grasp at power and then lord it over others. But the reality of this life is that at the end of the day, we are called to submit to the king. And if we recoil against this word too hard, we might miss out on the good news that there is, in fact, a king who is worthy of our love, who is worthy of our devotion. A king whose power, authority, majesty, and glory are manifest in this world through his love, grace, and compassion for us, especially those that Jesus called the least of these. See, Jesus identifies himself. In this, uh, in this passage, he claims both to be king, but also to identify with the powerless, with the stranger, with the prisoner, with the hungry and the thirsty. Jesus identifies himself with the people in society who are the most dependent on others, the most in need. And Jesus doesn't just say, it's good to serve and be compassionate to those who are in need. That's not what Jesus says. 
You see, those are, those are the words of a, of a wise teacher, perhaps. But what Jesus says is this. He says, when you serve one another, you serve me. What you do for the least of these, you do for me. This is the way of King Jesus, and they're the words of a king. A king who loves his people, who sees the hurt of his people. And those who heard Jesus' words, in that day they recognized that there was no middle ground. There was no buffet-style picking and choosing with Jesus. Either it's all true or none of it is. He is either honored as king or rejected as a fraud. Either it matters because it's the proclamation of the king or it's just the utterings of someone with no real authority. Jesus puts it all on the table when he says, on that final day, it is I who will be sitting on the throne. So what do you think about the claims of King Jesus? It's no surprise that in our gospel, uh, the gospel of Matthew, the next thing that happens immediately after this teaching of Jesus is that the chief priests and elders begin to conspire to kill him. So the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the house of the high priest and they plotted to arrest Jesus in some sly way and kill him. They could not accept the claims. They rejected him as a fraud and treated him like one. Now, when someone in Jesus' day was crucified, it wasn't uncommon for a sign to be nailed to the top of their cross that was a statement of the crimes that they committed. Oftentimes, the sign would be written in three different languages, the languages of the Roman Empire that were spoken among the people, Greek, Latin, and Aramaic, so that everybody who could read could know the crimes of the crucified. Jesus' sign read this. Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. A crucified king. Little did they know that it was through this very cross that Jesus would take up his throne. There's an image in the book of Revelation that has stuck with me for quite some time. It's shaped my theology, and in fact, it it shapes the way I live my life, the way I understand who I am and who my Lord is. And it's found in Revelations chapter 4 and 5. And in those chapters, we see this picture of the throne room of heaven. John is being shown this heavenly throne room. And there, there, in the middle of this glorious throne is the king. 
And one of the elders says to John in heaven, Do not weep. Behold, the Lion of Judah, the Root of David, has triumphed. The Lion of Judah, the Root of David. These were Old Testament figures of speech. They were ways of talking about the king who would rule over God's people. The Lion of Judah, the one who would come in might and power to save and deliver. The Root of David, the one who would rule on the throne of King David forever. The Lion of Judah, the Root of David, has triumphed. And when John looks at this majestic throne of heaven, to the one sitting on the throne, the Lion of Judah, the triumphant ruler and savior and deliverer who would reign forever, what does he see? A lamb who had been slain. The king is not always what we expect. We can find him in the least of these. Served and honored when we care for those most in need. To see the king of all creation, we need to look to the lamb who was slain. He's not always what we expect, but he is always what we need. He took up his throne by taking up his cross. And his glory and splendor are seen in his body broken and his blood shed. In order to see the mighty power of your king, the one who identifies with the broken, hurting, and the sick, we need to look upon his body broken on a cross to the blood that ran from his hands and feet that ran down his face as his crown buried its thorns into his scalp and realized that all of it was done for you and for me. That the splendor of the Lion of Judah is seen in the sacrifice of the Lamb who was slain. On this Christ the King Sunday, Let us remember the kind of king we have who lays down his life for us. Let us find joy and delight in his great love. Let us celebrate his rule and his reign as we worship today. Jesus Christ, the true king, the lion of Judah, and the lamb who was slain. Praise be to God. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, give us eyes to see the glory, the majesty, the power and splendor of King Jesus. Lord, may we recognize his reign and his claim on our lives not as a ruler with authority who lords it over us, but as one who lays down his life for those that he loves. Lord, we love you, and we worship you, and we praise you. In the name of the King, 
Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.